0: So if you're going through frustration, aggravation, discouragement, you do not have to second guess what's going on. You are carrying a weight and a burden that Jesus never intended you to carry.
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win Podcast with Pastor and Teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's blccaz.org Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: I, I believe that we need to start this communion with, with a different kind of passage, which is 2 Chronicles, where it says, If my people who are called by my name, will turn from their wicked ways humble themselves and pray then I'll heal the land i've had people ask me say pastor what is the wicked ways i mean i'm not i'm not being wicked i'm not doing what he's talking about literally ladies and gentlemen is idolatry getting caught up in this world system that's why the scripture tells us in matthew you can't serve god and mammon we have all kinds of travesties that are happening, all kinds of social issues that are happening across the nation. And we have, we have congressmen, congresswomen, we have people standing up that are saying we need to become a socialist republic. We have things, all, all these different movements, Antifa, you know, it's basically this anti-fascist. Everybody's fascist but their movement. We have we have Black Lives that matters. We've got white supremacists. We've got. Can I tell you something? You can point the finger on any blame you want to. My God, we can't even have a history anymore in America. Well, it offended me. Grow up. Sometimes you offend me, and I don't get all butt hurt. Can I say that in church? He just did. <laughs> Folks, listen to me. You say, Pastor, we're doing something holy here. Folks, this is holy. God said, If my people will turn from their wicked ways, That's
1: right.
0: we are Christians. Amen. Come on. And Christian means Christ is in charge. Right. Well, you don't understand what they've done. I no, I don't. And I don't care. Now, that's hard, but listen to me. The question is harder is why do you care? Yeah. What they do to Jesus. That's right. And he said, Father, forgive Amen. them. They ain't got a clue. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got more important things happening. And that is that Christians should stand up. We've got a travesty happening in Houston. And we're going to pray for Houston. Just hold your cups there. Don't don't get nervous. (laughs) North Korea just tested, supposedly, a nuclear bomb. Folks, we got important stuff happening. More than our feelings getting hurt. More than... All these different things. How many are grateful that Jesus didn't allow that to affect him when he focused on Calvary? Amen. So as we partake in communion, I wonder if we could look at that passage. If my people that's what we're talking about, Christians. If my people would turn from their wicked ways. Selfish ways, idolatrous ways, and return to me. Then I will hear from heaven. Are you okay out there? Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will heal the land. Folks, if it doesn't start in the church, if the church is getting so caught up in all this going on, he said, you can't serve me, God, and the world. you got to make a choice. That's why Jesus died. Is everybody okay out there? Say amen, say oh me. Before we partake in this bread and this juice, I want us to take a moment and reflect in our own selves. Say, God, am I caught up in you or am I caught up in what's happening? God, we have people dying in Houston. God, we have the potential of nations being annihilated in what's going on in North Korea. Now, God, I'm not looking for blowing up. I'm looking for going up. But the truth is, God, is I can get caught up in all of this stuff. And God, I can't. And as a church, why aren't we caught up in you? Caught up in proclaiming the only hope of mankind. And that is the fact that 2,000 years ago, you died on the cross at Calvary. But before you died, you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And God, you forgave us. And you said all that would come unto you, their sins would be washed away. God, today, where are we? Take a moment personally before God, as I will too. Father, God, my heart, you know my heart. I thank you, Lord. Area, situation, circumstances, people, whatever it is. God, that could be used of the enemy to put a wedge God forgive me, forgive me, help me to not get offended. Help me to not get hurt, to not have names. God I thank you for it. Thank you for your body that was given for that healing. In Jesus name, take and eat. God your blood, your blood Calvary was shed once and for all. God, no other sacrifices have to be done. The only thing that we have to do is do that word that is so hardly used in church anymore, and that's repent. God, life isn't about us. It's about you. Help us, Lord, to always remember that. Because God, if we're ever going to get from where we were to where we need to be, We have to deal with life right where we are. And God, you dealt with that 2,000 years ago. You paid the price, went through it all. Everything we would ever face, you went through. And God, thank you. Because of that, we too can be completely healed, set free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. If you believe that, somebody say amen. amen. Take and drink. Would you close your eyes? He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness.
1: He humbled
0: himself and he carried the cross. I love so amazing. Think about a church
1: Is love so amazing He's Jesus my God. God with us.
0: Rescue for sin. We have just partaken. His body, the bread,
1: His blood.
0: God, we thank you, Lord, that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done. But God, according to your mercy. God, we're going to pray for Houston. Literally millions of people affected. By something really nobody saw coming. Oh, they, they knew they were going to get some rain. But they didn't know they were going to get six feet of rain, and Father, hundreds of thousands are displaced from their homes. Millions are affected physically, financially, not counting the emotion, the emotionally or the mental battles that people are dealing with. God, we we pray together as churches all across this country today. President Trump made this day a day of mourning. A day of recognizing, a day of prayer. God for Houston. Thank Thank God for a president that will stand up for some things. Thank you, Lord, as we pray, as we trust, as we intercede. Some of you, like me, have friends in Houston. We want to pray. And I wonder if you join with me. God, in your name. Yes, Lord. Yes. God, we know your strong right arm is able to deliver and protect. God, there's thousands of first responders and people from all over the country, literally all over the world, that have come to help. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that first and foremost, beyond any of this, God, we need your help. God, that through the impending struggles and difficulties and the things that people are facing. Lord, thank you that you bring in their comfort. You bring in their hope. You bring in their peace and a certainty. God, that you'll turn all this together as people would come to you. Father, help them help them. God, whether they know you or not, you've helped many people in your word that didn't even know you. God, help those that don't even know you. God, help those that do know you. But God, in the midst of this, turn it all around. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. We appreciate you. I do want to address just quickly In Second Timothy, the Bible is very clear. In the last days, people will become lovers of themselves. And that's all that's happening right now, ladies and gentlemen. People are putting their issues above anything and everything. And they're trying. They're trying to make their cause a just cause at the plight of anyone and everyone. Now, I follow the news and I follow the stuff that's happening, and the sad reality is most of this domestic terrorism, which is exactly what it is, has been staged and paid for. And it doesn't take you much. You can you can either listen to, you know, the local television or you can, or, you know, the different news medias, or you can go study yourself and you can see the roots. But ladies and gentlemen, it's all rooted in Satan it's all rooted in the devil trying to destroy. People like Billy, uh, like Franklin Graham stand up and say, you know, this is, this is all demonic. And how, much, how much headache does he get from the media? He calls it for what it is. If you call it for what it is, church, you're going to get the same headache, the same assault. So Jesus called it for what it was. We need to make a stand as a Christian, and it's not a right side or a left side or a a good side or a bad side or a political side. It's a Jesus side, and that's where we got to stand. This stuff happening over North Korea this is not this is not childish. It is childish what uh, Kim Jong Un is doing, but it's very serious. Multiple millions of people live in South Korea and just a few hundred miles away in Japan. And this guy is doing these things. Now he's telling us that we have a ability of sending a warhead all the way to America. True or not true, it has unsettled a lot of people. Ladies and gentlemen, our peace is in Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. But we need to pray. And we didn't stand vigilant. I'm going to take you quickly, as I wrap up this series on all eternity is wrapped up in you, and I want to take you quickly through many things that I think are pertinent for you and I. And if you look at the at the title of the message, it's kind of self explanatory. Promised peace follows purposeful pursuit. I've said this for years. I've made this statement. People have an issue. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. If I asked you to show your hands, there may be some of you in here that are just not happy. Can I tell you that no place in God's word promises happiness? Do you know why? Because happiness is based on happenings. And if things are happening good, guess what you got on your face? Smile. Smile. Well, things aren't happening good. What do you have on your face? A frown. This is called life reality. And this is the stuff a lot of churches won't preach. Why? Because it's not comfortable. Folks, things aren't happening well in the world. But they are happening well scripturally. Because all that is happening around me just says, Jesus is coming. And if that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what does. Because my life can't be based on happiness. It has to be based on contentment in Christ. And as I purposely pursue him, his promised peace will overcome me. Because now my peace is not in the world. It's in Christ. Am I making sense already? Am I? Okay, And that's the reality. That's where we live. And there's one thing in your notes and on the screen that helps me to relate to Jesus as my personal Savior is the understanding that He's been where I am and can relate. Did you know that Jesus wasn't liked by everybody? I know that shocks you. Not everybody was happy when Jesus came to town. Matter of fact, when Christians, which the word Christian means Christ-like, I've had people ask me, Pastor, if I'm not living Christ-like, am I a Christian? No. Well, no, I'm just having a bad day. Well, okay, you're having a bad day. So repent, ask forgiveness, and move on. Then will I be a Christian? It depends on what you do when you move on. Christian means Christ-like. So when Jesus came to town, they weren't always happy. Matter of fact, we, my wife and I, and a, and a group of folks, we were in Israel here, and and we went to the to the shore of of uh, uh, of Lake Galilee, Lake Gennesaret, uh Sea of Galilee, and and on that shore we remember a man that was called the demoniac had a thousand demons in him. Remember the the Bible passage? We went to that shore and we looked up. We saw the hillside. We saw the caves where the man would have come out of. Jesus comes and the man is gloriously set free. And all of the townspeople came and said, Jesus, leave. You're messing us up. Jesus, they weren't really happy when he showed up. Well, even when his Christian people, people called Christians, started showing up. You know the statement was, and it wasn't positive. The statement was, those that have turned the world upside down have come here also. And they weren't happy about it. Jesus can relate with the struggles you deal with. The struggles I deal with. Because he's been there. And he understands these things based on the condition of humanity. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. But I want you to understand This next line. Because this is key to peace in your life. Look what it says here. He gave up his privileges. Other passages said he gave up his rights. He is God. As we talked about in this first part of this passage, this this series... He stepped out of eternity into time. He left his divinity in heaven and walked the earth totally as man. He gave up his rights. And look what it says. He took the form of a slave. What's that mean? He stripped himself of his divine privileges. He assumed the guise Of a slave. What does that mean? To be a slave, you've got to be under some kind of totalitarianistic scenario. You have to be under some kind of dominion. Or you have to be under some kind of divine control. God calls us. Paul said, I'm a slave for Christ. What does it mean? He literally gave up his divine privileges being born under the dominion of Satan's kingdom on this earth. Who is the God of this world? Satan. Satan. Jesus himself said that Satan was the God of this world. He said, I'm going to give myself that I can understand every single thing that you and I are going to. Okay? You say, well, he doesn't really understand everything because he doesn't know where I was born, how I was born, when I, you know. No, 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 no. Look, look, folks, 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 folks. Born in the humblest of circumstances, Baron Hilton did not open a room for him. Neither did Mr. Marriott. The Bible says that he was born in a cave. And in a place where they kept animals. And I can get into all the particulars about that. But think about it. Well, pastor, you don't know where I came from. Do you know where Jesus came from? In the humble, let's take a little bit further. He was born to teenage parents that didn't have a clue what it meant to have kids. Can we get the circumstances any more humble? You see, when we start thinking about our life from that perspective, folks, peace starts overwhelming me. Say, my Lord, you did that for me? He came, ladies and gentlemen, in the lowest of conditions that he could relate to you. And to me, regardless of where we came from, where we are, he said, if you will trust me, I'll give you the peace to get you where you're going. You see, while Jesus was on the earth, he underwent every trial and temptation that according to Hebrews, he could taste death for everyone. Let's jump into Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, we use this passage last week also as our text. We have a high priest. We have somebody totally dedicated unto you. There's people in this church, they call me pastor. And they know that I am dedicated. They'll call me at different times. They'll call me at different hours. Uh, Yesterday, I had a, a wedding in the morning. Had a... Memorial service in the afternoon, between the morning and the afternoon, I was counseling, uh, some different people, you know, at different times through the day. After the day was over, I had a phone call from a pastor. There's people that they look at me and they say, this guy makes a difference in my life. Amen. I want him to be there for me. And so they'll call. And ultimately, we'll pray. You know why? Because truly, the only one that's going to make any difference in your life or mine is Jesus. And so I talk to them, and I work with them today. I, I, I'm ministering here this morning. Been here, uh, you know, in the early hours. We did worship together. Our worship leader and her mom is, is out. Uh, uh, had a mother-daughter get away, and, and they know it was a busy weekend. They say, Pastor, maybe I shouldn't go. And I said, No, you don't get to do this. Go, Go. We'll take care of it. It all falls on Bill anyway, so what's the matter? <laughs> and so when I get done here, I'm going to go grab a bite to lunch, then I'm headed out to Loop. You know what, it was 40, 50 miles from here because we're doing a, a, uh, a Native American camp meeting. And they've invited me to speak this afternoon, and so I'll be out there. And I don't know what time I'm going to get home tonight, but ladies and gentlemen, my point in saying all of this Jesus is our high priest and he put other people in our lives that we can be a part of that can walk through this journey with us. He passed through the heavens. Look what it says. Jesus, the son of God. And because we know he's been where we've been, he said, hold fast that profession. And then I love what it says here. He sympathizes with our weakness as one that's been tempted in every way, just like us. Tempted in every way, just like us. Yet he didn't do what we do. He didn't fall short. How many could say amen? amen. Peace, it's on the screen, it's in your notes, is promised as we pursue that for which we were pursued what does that mean well we find that passage in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 Paul said I haven't obtained but I'm pursuing the one who pursued me I'm pursuing the one what it means it talks about an uncompromised dedication to Christ we try to have peace Folks, we live in a chaotic world. And in this world, we're not going to have peace. Jesus said, in this world, John sixteen thirty three. He said, in this world, you're not going to have peace. But in me, you are going to have peace. In this world, you're going to have problems. Am I clear this morning? Am I making? That's wonderful, three of you. I'm going to let you finish, Pastor. let I'm not making it head. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not God's plan for you to go through life frustrated. It's not God's plan for you to go through life discouraged. Let me take you back. Israel was coming out of bondage. And we love the passage. We quote it all the time. I hear questions, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that God has for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Come on, brothers and sisters. Let's get the offering basket going now. That's not what he's talking about. Plans not to harm you. To give you hope, that word hope is a life of expectancy. you know how we can live a life of expectancy? Because we understand his plans are not to harm, but to give us peace, to walk in peace. And that peace is in Christ. Can somebody say amen? Israel's coming out of bondage and God's telling them, guys, I'm not against you, I'm for you. No matter what you've done, I still love you. You're still my people. And these are the plans that I've always had for you. That confident relationship and knowing that we have a high priest who is passed into heaven. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That confidence that says, I hold fast to that. I hold to that. That Peace. That keeps your heart and your mind. See your mind's dealing with all this junk around you. He said, The Lord is near. I'm gonna keep you. I'm gonna calm you. I'm gonna cure you. And then he gives us a little rule, or actually a little formula. And I want you to look there. I put it in your notes. And I wanted to leave it all out there. Because I was putting this thing together. And, and as I was writing down um you know, God, all of a sudden, he said, you know, this is what this means. This is what this means. This is what this And I was, okay, God, I'm writing it in. Man, it was so cool. Yeah. He said, look at this. Look at this. He said, then the God of peace passes all understanding. will keep your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And he said, I want you to know so much. I'm going to break it down for you. This is how you're going to walk in peace. Look what he says. It's on the screen there. He said, whatever is true. Can I tell you what? I'm going to startle some of you. Everything on the internet ain't true. Right now, yeah. Okay, I just wanted to... I want to make, I got that out there, okay? Whatever's true. You know, immediately, Jesus started telling me, you know what's true? Me. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You want to get through what you're getting through? You got to come to me. He said, whatever's true. Then he says, Whatever is noble. And he threw Philippians 2.7 right down at me. He said, you know what noble is? Not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. Humbling yourself and taking the form of a slave. A servant. See, that's noble. Noble is when you know better than somebody else, but you don't let them know you know better. What is the deal with people? How many know know know-it-alls? Anybody know know know-it-alls? Anybody know a know it all Anybody is a know-it-all? Don't raise your hand, please. (laughs) What's the problem with know-it-alls? How come know-it-alls never tell you all they know? Can you... Just wrap your arms around. He said, whatever is noble. And I love this thing. Whatever is right. Whatever is right. God immediately took me to a passage in Micah where he's trying to get the children of Israel once again on track. And the children of Israel are saying, God, what do you expect of me? You want me to give you 10,000 rivers of oil? You want me to give you 10,000 lambs all sacrificed? You want me to give you my firstborn? What
1: do you want?
0: And God said, no, no. I just want you to do right. And then he broke it down. Do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly. See, the peace of God that passes all understanding is all signified in this next few words that he said. He said, do justly. Walk humbly. Whatever is pure. Paul said, there's nothing in me that's any good except Jesus. What is pure in your life? Not a thing, but Jesus. Jesus. He became sin. Who knew no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We just sang it. God made Jesus to be sin for us. Who knew no righteousness. That we could become the righteousness of God. In him. Whatever is pure. And then he said whatever is lovely. What is lovely? Doing good for those that can't. Giving to those who don't have it to give back. See, Romans 5 says, while we were still lost in our sin, Christ died. Can somebody say amen? Whatever is admirable. Acts chapter 8. I want you to actually look at this one. It's not on the screen but I want you to look at it. Verse 32. Whatever is admirable. Are you there? Acts 8:32. See, I'm talking about the peace that God wants us to live our lives in. The peace that God has promised for our lives. Only come when we purposely pursue whatever is admirable. Are you there in Acts thirty-two, 8.32? Does it not say, as a lamb dumb before his shears, he said not a word? Put your notes down. Why don't you look at me? I'll pick up here next week. Do you all mind if I finish this next week? Three of you. Wonderful. Oh, okay. Well, not next week. Week after. Thank you. Yeah, week after. Okay. If you guys come back in two weeks, I'll finish this. Actually, you need to come next week. It'll change your life because what's happening in the country right now is they're trying to, to faction, which is exactly what Hitler did. You see, it was the German people, a lovely nation that was so deceived. They actually voted him into power because they thought he was going to be the savior of the nation. folks, Unless we look at history and understand it, it will repeat itself. Here's our issue. Whatever is admirable, we don't know that part in life. This is why we don't have peace. The next one, you know, in Titus 3.5, anything excellent or praiseworthy? The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's according to his mercy. To think on those things. And the peace of God will consume your life. But that admirable stuff, we make it all about us. Well, they hurt me. They said this. They did that. They looked at me this way. They follow me that way. Folks, what do sinners do? Why do we think the world's going to treat us good? Well, that's why I don't stand up as a Christian. Jesus said if we don't stand up, we ultimately have already fallen down. Because we don't stand, that means we deny. I don't deny. Can I tell you that no decision... Is still a decision. Indecision is still a decision. That admirable thing. Jesus was innocent. He did nothing wrong. Yet they were mocking him, they were cursing him, they were spitting on him, they were beating him. And like a lamb dumb before his shears. Why do we always got to defend ourselves? Why do we always have to be right? Why do we always got to have the one-uppance? Y'all can look that up when you leave. Why? Why? He didn't. As the worship team comes, Paul said these words, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. He was referencing the same book that he was writing in. Galatians chapter 2 is what he was referencing. That admirable thing that we're discussing was the fact that Jesus never tried to prove himself. Never tried to win the battle because he already knew he won the war Paul said follow me as I follow Christ and would you open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 because this is what Paul was referencing when he said follow me as I follow Christ He said, I have been crucified with Christ. You know when you're crucified, that means you're dead. Nothing bothers a dead person. Nothing affects a dead person. Nothing can hurt a dead person. Nothing can offend a dead person. Nothing can irritate a dead person. You're dead. I have been crucified with Christ. And then Paul injects the problem. He said, nevertheless, this flesh of mine is still very much alive. This flesh of mine is still very much alive. Remember he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, though I am dead, I still got to deal with the issues of this life. And then he told us how he did it. Look at this. He said, the life that I now live in this body, I will live it according to the one who gave himself for me. I will pursue that for which I've been pursued and in that I'll have peace. What are you pursuing? What are you searching for? Yesterday we had a glorious celebration of life for for Bill and George Weiss's mom. Beautiful family time. and, And one thing that kept over and over being talked about was the journey his mom was on and the different person she was. I talked about how Caleb had a different spirit, but I talked about a man named Abraham who lived his whole life never satisfied but always content because he was looking for the one who built a city, the maker and builder who is God. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What are you pursuing today? True things, noble things, righteous things, pure things, lovely things, admirable things. Excellent, praiseworthy things? Or are you just pursuing things? Think about these. Follow me. Choose to live the life through the one who lived it for you. Maybe you're here today and you're... I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to do any such thing. I'm just going to ask you to think about your life. Are you frustrated? Irritated? Aggravated? Agitated? All the other pates out there? Why? Jesus died to give you peace. He said in me you will have peace but in this world you're going to have problems. It sounds to me like a no brainer. Why am I living this frustrated life then? could it be that I'm in r- pursuit of the wrong thing? If you're here and, and right now, God's convicted your life I'm not, t- I'm not saying you're living in sin, but God has challenged you and said, maybe I've been a little off focus here and if I want to have that peace, I need to pursue him for which I was pursued. If God's challenging your life and you say, I just want to redirect things a little bit. I just want to open these altars for a moment if you would come. If you would come and just, just settle this with God. Settle it with God. And you say, "Well, Pastor, why do I have to go to the altar? Let me put it this way. The last time you came to church and you left church, you probably left church the way you came. Because most of us don't deal with things. But if you choose to deal with it, Oh, why do I have to come to this altar? I don't know. Why is the Bible full of altars? Because they're places of decision where people make change and they choose a different direction. God's challenging you. Whatever it might be, I encourage you, step out of your chair, come find a place and watch what God could do. Just for a moment as we say, God, we thank you.
1: Pastor Tim Masters, with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center, with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30 join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.